Hey, Hudson. Hello. How are you? Good. We had a follower that specifically requested to learn more about you and dad. They said you're the quiet two of the family and Jordan and I are the talkative ones. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to ask you questions and you tell everybody the answers. Deal? Deal. Okay. What is your favorite color? Orange. What is your favorite animal? Dog. What if it was like a wild animal? Like an animal at the zoo or something or in a safari or wherever. Tiger. I didn't see that one coming. Oh, I, no. I, well, no. I like donkeys also. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite holiday? Mm, Christmas. Christmas. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where would be your favorite place to go on vacation? Disney World. Okay. Um, if you had to eat one food every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm. One food every day, the rest of your life. What would it be? I did not ask him these questions ahead of time. I don't know. Okay. Would you pick tacos or pizza? Hurry. Probably tacos. Cause uh, you can like put kind of different eh, pizza actually. <laughs> eh, I don't know. <laughs> what is your favorite thing to do at the church shop? Play. Play what? Uh, basketball, football. Okay. What and is your favorite drink to get at Starbucks? The um, frozen strawberry lemonade. Okay. If you had to pick between hamburgers or hot dogs, which would you pick? It depends on like where the stuff are from. A hamburger or hot dog from the Varsity. Which one? Hot dog. Okay. Would you rather go to a professional basketball game or a professional football game? Professional basketball or football? Yep. Which one? So a Chiefs game or a Hawks game? Um, ooh, that's hard. That's hard. I don't know. You got to pick one. Uh, <clears throat> probably Chiefs. <laughs> okay. If you had the chance to meet either Patrick Mahomes or... Patrick Mahomes. Or Goldie from the St. Louis Cardinals. Who would you pick? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably Patrick Mahomes, but I hope Goldie's not watching. <laughs> <laughs> because if Goldie called you up, you would want to meet him too, right? <laughs> okay. Would you rather eat ice cream or popsicles? Ice cream. Cookies or cake? Cookies. French fries or chips? Chips. When you turn 16, would you rather drive a truck or a car? What kind of car? <laughs> or what kind you of truck? You just got to pick. Truck or a car? I guess truck. Wait, what kind of car, though? You don't know. There's all different kinds of cars. You don't know. Somebody just says, I'm going to give you a truck or I'm going to give you a car, but you know no other details. It could be a fancy sports car or it could be a not fancy sports car. It could be a really nice truck or a not so nice one. All the truck. Okay. All right. Okay. Anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? that you want to tell everybody. You got to hurry. I was going to say my favorite sport, but I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, uh, to watch you play. My favorite candy is, um, probably. Right now, what are you obsessed with? It's not candy, but what are you obsessed with no, eating? No, but my favorite candy is probably, I love gum. I love. You do love gum. 
But tell everybody what you're obsessed with eating right now. Not candy, but what is it? No. Why? Fine. Freeze-dried fruit. Freeze-dried fruit. That's like your favorite thing right now. Which kind is your favorite? Probably strawberries. Which one's the worst? Cantaloupe. Cantaloupe. Like who has freeze-dried cantaloupe? That one was that one was fairly bad. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you tell everybody? Bye. See ya. Welcome to the Be Kind Everyone podcast. This is Ben. And this is Jackie. Today, we have a very special guest, and I am excited about this, Jessica. For those of you who do not know who Jessica is, she is our producer. So we have Ryan, who is in-house in our shirt shop, who helps us with recording. Then we send all of our audio out for the real magic to be performed. Don't you say, when you say that, Ben? Yeah, she works with 1022. And so Jessica produces all that magic and she is in California. And the neat thing you might be thinking, why in the world is Jessica going to be on this podcast? Jessica also is the mother of a child with autism. And so often when we're trying to come up with a topic or a schedule, she'll be like, uh, how about this one? Or how about that one? Because it is stuff she's living in her life. And so we thought it would be really good to have her on because if she's wanting to know these questions, more than likely there is a lot of listeners that have the same questions. So Jessica, welcome. And thank you for joining us on this side of the mic. I am so excited to be here. This is kind of fun. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I did like a little brief description of you. I did a little mm -hmm. intro. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more? Yeah, so my son is Walt. He is four years old. In December of 2020, we got the uh, di diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. It wasn't something we were necessarily expecting so okay. it was kind of like one of those crash courses into reality, like, oh, what just happened? Yep. Um, he started showing signs when he was a year and a half old, which I found out later is very typical. Yep. But it was also the start of the pandemic. Oh. So we and I started reading articles that there was a lot of kids that were regressing because of not being socialized during that time. So we thought maybe it was just parts of that. And that's why he wasn't talking right or really wasn't speaking at all. Mm -hmm. He had a couple words at about a year and a half and then totally regressed and they weren't happening anymore. Um, so eventually we went to a speech therapist. Maybe, oh, maybe we just need some speech therapy. That'll help out. Then they wanted to do a behavioral analysis. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. That's be fine. And then our world was really shook um, when we got that diagnosis because it wasn't what we were expecting at all. Over two years now and our life definitely changed a lot. We've learned so, so much. Um, and I know we still have way more to learn, um, but I, you know, I wouldn't change my kid for the world. He Absolutely. is the sweetest, most loving, adorable little man. Um, I started working with you guys over the summer. Was it, I think it was about over the summer. Yes. Um, and when I originally joined with Jeff and Callie at 1022, your podcast was one of the reasons I started talking to them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, one of the other people that works with us, Karen, I know her. I We work together here in San Diego. And she was like, hey, we have this new podcast. Would love your insight. And so we were talking about it. And then they needed producers and editors for you guys and a couple other projects. And 
I was really fingers crossed, mm-hmm. hoping that uh, your podcast would be the one I got to work on. And sure enough, it is. And That's it's been cool. my therapy oh. <laughs> the last few months. Very oh, cool. So what, and it, it's interesting because our story is very similar to that as in we weren't expecting the diagnosis either, which is very, I would say unusual because most people kind of suspect something get the diagnosis, and they're not overly surprised. But we were also surprised. So on this podcast, we're going to switch things up. Usually when we have a guest come on, we ask the guest questions. But you, we're reversing that role, and you're going to ask us. And one of the things when I had talked to Jessica about this podcast, I said, you know, you constantly have these, these questions of, hey, let's do this. Why don't you do that for a podcast? I said, let's do a podcast where you're asking us questions. So we have no idea what you're going to ask, which has and always am, been favorite. petrified. <laughs> oh, no. Jackie gives I'm me these detailed it. notes of what I need to say, what I don't need to say. And now it's like, I, where's my, I don't have, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what's going to be asked. But well, then if uh, you get stalled at any point, I do know the editor. <laughs> good point. Good point. And we will be okay. <laughs> I mean, it, like I said, this has been therapy for me. I know there's been a couple times when I've sent you guys weekly uh, podcasts where I've sent, and by the way, can you talk about this? Yes. Because I'm going mental and I haven't had sleep in three weeks. I need to know stuff. this. Yeah. So, okay. So you take it away. So first off, I want to talk about when you guys got that initial diagnosis. You said that you weren't expecting it. What were the emotions and the feelings that you guys went through those first few weeks, those first couple months? And how did you kind of mentally deal with that? So the hearing the words, in my opinion, were brutal. Mm -hmm. It was a few days before that. It was when, so like you said, you went and did speech therapy, different things. We were sent to get a hearing evaluation and we had no idea that that was a common thing to rule out autism. So we went to get the hearing evaluation for Jordan and they said it was good. And so we just thought, oh, we're, we're good. And so I even went back to the pediatrician's office on my own. That's when she started asking me some questions. And it really stood out the questions she was asking me as very just odd questions. And I had just the slightest bit of knowledge about autism because I was a school social worker before that. And so I asked the pediatrician, I said, do you think Jordan has autism? And she said, I'm not saying she does, but I see some signs. So we need to watch her over the course of six months. And I lost it. I lost it. I was crying. I was like, you don't understand. I am not the wait Mm -hmm. and see. Like you can't just drop this on me and say, I'll see you in six months. And so she said, let me see what I can do. And she was able to call and get Jordan an appointment. We were able to skip the waiting line because they had a very, they had a high interest in seeing kids diagnosed early to see if that made a difference in their projection in life. So her pediatrician's office happened to be a few buildings down from where Ben was working at the time. And I went into Ben's office straight from there. And I know the secretary had to have assumed somebody Somebody had died. died. Yeah. I was hysterical. Oh, crying, yeah. You yeah. you left yeah. immediately. Yeah. Oh, I remember the day. I, I mean, can, I can't remember yesterday, but I can remember I that. I can remember sure. that day 
like yeah. it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because also, I don't know if it's changed now, but when you, we, there was, you didn't really hear much about autism back right. then. Mm-hmm. And you certainly didn't get the, here's the roadmap you need to follow. So you basically have this diagnosis laid in your lap and you're like, well, what do I do now? Well, um, ba- yeah, back then, I mean, I'll, I knew it from Rain Man, the movie, you know, Tom Cruise. Right. Yeah. And that's the only thing I had known autism was even related. to. Yeah. And for me, I know this is going to shock both of you. I really love to talk. (laughs) And so you often heard about autism and the lack of speech. And Jordan wasn't talking at the time and she had lost her words. And it was like in the blink of an eye, every fear of, is she ever going to talk? Is she ever going to do this? Is she ever going to do that? It all hit me like a wave and it was, it was crippling for a while now, but I mean, for a, you hit the action button yes. quickly, which was good. I That's mean, cause just, right, right when we knew, we knew we weren't going to just sit and you couldn't just you know, sit and cry about it. You I got to have to, because if I something. went, if I kept going down that, I would have ended up in a very dark place. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. my personality is just to switch into action mode, yeah. probably a little too much because I got to the point of where like, if there was, you know, a few minutes in the day where she wasn't engaged, I would go to bed that night obsessing over, oh my gosh, did I let her watch TV too many minutes? Did I, should I have done this? And it was the constant second, second guessing. And I think if I, any new parent listening, you gotta be easier on yourself. Like one day you, you do the best you can in a day and then you get back up and you try again tomorrow. But one day isn't, it's not gonna make or break you. But I struggled with that. Um, especially early on. Yeah. Right. I um, compare it to a lot of my friends as I went through almost like a period of mourning, like yes. all the stages of mourning. That's almost what it felt like. Cause I was, and you kind of are, you're mourning what your child's life was supposed to look yes. like, what you thought your child's life was supposed to look like. Yes. Like, and now here you are trying to grasp onto this whole new life with yes. your child and it's it's intimidating and it's very overwhelming and it's hard it's I hard i also it's just, think it, it, i cried i cried a lot yes yeah. i oh, think yeah. the spectrum is so broad i don't mm-hmm. think that i think that makes it hard as well because i would also back then i mean it was it was years ago you couldn't Google's never necessarily been your friend when you want to like look at outcomes, but I would buy books because back then that was the thing. And I would read like the first couple of chapters to see, did this sound like Jordan? I would skip to the last chapter to see how the story ended. And then I would determine if I wanted to read the middle because I needed to search for hope. I needed I needed a bright light to help me on those hard days, something I could grasp to, to say, if this child could do it, we can. Um, So that's what I did a lot of. You know what, that I totally agree with that. I think the biggest thing that helped me in those first few months was seeing other parents share their stories. And I think that's so why it's so important that you guys are sharing your stories, that I'm sharing my story. I talk about 
my kid on my Instagram. Um, I work for a morning show here in San Diego and I have a little following there. Mm-hmm. And I talk about my son all the time because I don't want any other parent to ever think that they're alone. Right. And I yes. think that's so important. And I think as Jordan's gotten older, the hope has kind of shifted because like for us, I now see that Jordan is living such a happy, healthy, productive life. And with her level of struggles, I think that alone provides hope for a lot of people to see if Jordan's able to do this, my child can too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, I 100% agree. Moving on. So my next thing is talking about family and friends. Did you wait to tell them or did you tell them right away or did you kind of hold off on telling people? How did you tell the world, basically, your your community, your 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 whole world, you know, look, there's something you guys need to know about Jordan? I think for us, we told quickly, quickly, yeah. Um, yeah, all I of our remember. family, our friends. Um, that's again, I'm kind of an oversharer on everything in life. But to me, it made it easier. Mm -hmm. So I think like that's going to be a personal decision for every family. But for us, I've always been a talker. So if like it suddenly felt like my whole world shut down and one of my ways of coping was talking about that. And like for my mom, for example, she and I talked about it a lot and it was just very therapeutic for me and kind of to have her reassuring and I needed that. I do think with a lot of friends, I I shared as well. I think a lot drifted off and I don't think that's their fault. It's, it's the situation's fault. I pulled away we no longer had much to talk about because my life became involved with speech therapy and occupational therapy and ABA and their life is revolving around their child's cute new words. And it was painful. And so rather than hear the pain, I just pulled pulled away. away. Yeah. Pulled away. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Um, because it got new friends. I shouldn't say it that way, but different, different friends in a different, I mean, as crazy as it sounds for a while, I mean, I don't really feel like we had a lot of friends. Yeah. We just kind of kept. Well, you, we were busy. To ourselves. Yeah. 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 Which I think is also pretty common. Yeah. We had um, close friends in Missouri at the time because that's where she got her diagnosis. And they didn't have kids yet. And you could just quickly tell we were drifting apart from other friends. They were drifting apart from us. Wes and Amy were different. They mm-hmm. They pretty much said. You are stuck with us as friends. We're not going anywhere. She's coming along with us. And that, that is one thing. If I could give any listener advice that is not directly touched by autism, but has a close friend, don't let them pull away. You might have to, like, it was easier with them and us because they didn't have kids yet. But if your friend has kids, like, say, I know I'm going to say things that are going to make you sad. I'm going to talk about my child's words or whatever, but you can express that sadness to me. Have a very open conversation because I don't think it has to go the way it often goes with friends separating. 
if there was a real open exchange, but I think people are too scared to talk about it. The friend they with don't the, know what to say. They don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Yeah. But I think an open dialogue could go a long way to keeping that support. I also think for family members, we were very lucky because our family didn't question it, weren't critical. I think some people are like well, that. There's no way that's true or that right. they're just right. they're just spoiled or whatever. Don't say those words. I don't care if it's in your mind. You're you're family is going through enough right now without your input on the subject. Yeah. You just need to be supportive. Right. Um, now, as your journey through uh, Jordan's diagnosis and those first couple of years, what did you guys find was some of the most helpful therapies between, you know, speech and occupational and ABA? What has been the thing that really stood out and helped you along the way and helped her? You know, and it's funny, all throughout the stages of life, I would say what was the most important has changed. Um, so I do emphasize to parents, one therapy is going to be important at this stage in the life and another one could be later. Yeah. So early on, we did ABA with Jordan. When we did more of a traditional ABA that was like sitting at a table, it I didn't find that overly helpful for her. She was very young. It was very frustrating. When we moved to an ABA called verbal behavior, that's a specific type of ABA, but it's much more natural environment mm -hmm. play. That was much more helpful for her than the traditional ABA. Speech therapy, she was in speech therapy for years and we had amazing speech therapists, but she was not making progress. Be but when we found a speech therapist that really specialized in apraxia of speech and we found out she had that diagnosis and they they specialized in something called prompt therapy that was a game changer that was at six years old and i believe to this day had we not found that speech therapist and those approaches she would not have yeah. the language and she, she helped has. jordan actually have with the her motor ability to actually make the sounds mm -hmm. yes. versus say car. Yes. It wasn't just say car. It was helping her say car, get your lips, get your mouth yes. just right. So she could do that because you could have her, you could tell her to say car 10 times by six years old. If she had the ability to say car, she would have already said it by now. The other thing that was extremely important across the board, no matter what type of therapy we were using is therapists telling me how to help her at home in our everyday life. And I'm not telling an overwhelmed parent, you've got to do therapy all day, every day. But if you're going to be doing these things anyway, learn the best ways to help. So if your child's going to be asking for a snack anyway, ask that therapist, what should I be practicing here? Because like we started with sign language with Jordan and the speech therapist was like, you know, we had been taught before teach more. Well, more is such a vague mm -hmm. word or sign language. It can be used for anything. It doesn't narrow things down. Teach the specific thing, even if it's approximation. So teach a sign language approximation for drink. And if they want more drink, have them sign more, have them sign drink again, because then you know, that goes with that chip. But not just the yes, the no, the more very specific. So things you could be practicing on throughout the day. And then as she's gotten older, 
a lot of times you'll hear occupational therapy dropping off in importance as they get older, whereas I think that is the exact opposite. I think occupational therapy is has been huge for Jordan mm-hmm. as she started as to get into the shirt shop. Mm-hmm. And then now we take all those principles and and apply it to mm-hmm. everything she does. That's really interesting. I Yeah, because occupational therapy is one that I thought probably would drop off, but um, you're absolutely right. Yes, it's it amazing. It's amazing. That's interesting. Yes. Now, with all of these therapies, um, especially when they're younger, did you ever find that you guys were maybe overwhelming Jordan? Um, I know that we have between preschool and therapy, all his different therapies at this time with Walt, he's doing stuff almost like a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I worry because he gets frustrated and tired. And I just wonder, am I doing too much? Am I overwhelming him? And that's going to have harmful effects. Have you guys ever gone through anything like that? So the thing I think for us was always important to remember is if we took away the therapy or the, the stuff, what was she going to fill her time with? And I don't know about every kid, but even as of today, one of the reasons the shirt shop has been so vital for Jordan is it filled her time because so many of our kids end up on electronics because they're not going to sit down and play with blocks and all these things that a typical child would in developing. So if we take these things away, What are we going to do to fill their time? So I think there needs to be obviously a balance, but I think it's kind of a balance for the whole family as to if the, if the child is getting frustrated, there was times in therapy that Jordan was frustrated. And I would go to that, that, that therapist and say, we need to change this around and either make it more enjoyable. And when I say make it more enjoyable, it probably would not be enjoyable for what a typically developing three-year-old at the time would have thought. But she, she can't, I can't have her crying throughout hours of the day. So like for us, she used to love these huge Tupperwares of beans and rice. It was very sensory oriented. So I just took it upon myself to say, okay, if we were going to do this at the table and we were going to have her pick through flashcards, let's stick them in beans. So she's digging through there and that, that made her happy then. So for us, I looked at the balance between home life and therapy, because sometimes I think families are going in so many different directions that it, it's overwhelming for the whole family. But I also think if you have an extremely frustrated child, not much is going to get accomplished in that therapy session anyway. So you have to either look at how can we make this therapy session more enjoyable for them, or we need to back off and try something different because you're not, in my opinion, going to accomplish much if they're just really frustrated or overly tired or whatever, because like you said, your little guy's four, um, you know, still needing, you know, downtime. And so I do think there's a balance. I think one of the other things is there used to be so much talk. I felt the pressure of early intervention, which I am a huge advocate for, like huge advocate. I think, though, there used to be so much talk about if a child didn't progress by the time they were five, they probably weren't. And what I have found in my experience is that is not 
true. And I think it puts so much pressure on the family to throw everything at this kid when they're really little because you're so scared you're going to miss that opportunity. And for us, we've seen more progress in Jordan in the last five years than we ever did in the early years. Agree. Yeah. Don't you think? 100%. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. I think every parent, I think you have to follow your gut. You yeah. know your child. Yeah. And I have always been huge on that. And I might have a pro- professional tell me that no, you know, crying for three hours during therapy is normal. I don't care. That's not normal to me. And I'm not okay with that. So you have to follow your mom gut and you know, your child better than anyone. So if you feel like something isn't going right, more than likely it's not. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you have a few more questions, so we're going to continue this on next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. If you don't already follow us, Please make sure and follow us on social media, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. You can find us at Summer Shirt Project. If you want to see our website, it's BeKindEveryone.com. Thanks for listening. See you. Thank you so much for listening to the Be Kind to Everyone podcast. We know your time is valuable and we appreciate you spending it with us. Word of mouth is the number one way people learn about new podcasts. So we need your help for people to find us. Please, please, please tell everyone you know about our show. To learn more about our story and see our shirts, go to BeKindToEveryone.com. Thanks for listening. Have a good day, you guys.